0: please turn with me to the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians and we're going to read chapter 1 together it's page 989 in the Bibles that are provided if you're using one of those second Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing therefore among God's churches we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring all this is evidence that God's judgment is right and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering God is just He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ amen may god enable us to hear and receive his word let's pray for a moment a pilgrim now for all my days my gaze is set above lord help us as the year turns help us as we begin a new week today help us now in our worship to so look into the truths of your word and to so hear you speak by your spirit's presence that you will equip us to look above to set our gaze on what is yet to come to wait this week for your son our Savior to return in all his glory We pray in jesus name amen we're going to look at this short letter the second letter of paul to the thessalonians for three sunday mornings and just as we dip our toe into its content today i want to set the scene for you by saying that these two letters to these believers in the town or city of thessalonica were probably the earliest letters that the apostle paul wrote it's interesting that early on in paul's writing to the churches he was writing in this case to churches or groups of believers in thessalonica for whom he had great praise and thanksgiving If you flick through some of Paul's letters in your minds you will probably be able to think of the massive difficulties or problems they were falling into in different places Uh, Corinth the moral problems that were seeping into the church such that church life and life amongst believers was becoming every bit as steeped in immorality as life outside in the Galatian church, the religious extremism, if you like, or the religious elitism of false teachers were trying to add things on to the gospel to make it possible to be a Christian, but then also an even better Christian, an elite Christian, and so on and so forth. You you build up as you get to know your Bible a mental map of what the problems in each church are were but in the church of thessalonica nearly only praise for these believers maybe still so close to the resurrection of the lord jesus maybe still so early in their formation as a church maybe still so clear in their own minds on the teaching of the apostle paul through which they had come to faith that as yet they were still flourishing, faithful, enduring. But in both these letters, there is one common difficulty that arises, not because of the failings of the Thessalonian Christians, but because of the times in which they lived so early on. It's it's difficult for us to get our heads back in time to the months and years immediately following the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the presence and the preaching of the disciples amongst the churches because we're so far from that moment historically that the difference in time between Christ's resurrection and now is so vast but for them it was it was nothing think back 10 years or 15 years that's all maybe 20. very close to the resurrection of Jesus the historical event which had in the few years that had followed tipped the world upside down and this tiny group of Christian disciples who were so frightened and terrified when Jesus was crucified, that they abandoned him, had become the public preachers of this gospel. And we're seeing Christian churches, followers of this risen Jesus, begin to appear all over the place, just in recent times. We tend to review a year in our minds today and we go back and we can spot the highs and lows of 2023 in our in our minds but when there's a turn of a decade we tend to review the decade and it's still very easy isn't it to spot the highs and the lows of a decade it's still fresh but these believers the church is so young their faith in the risen jesus so real they were waiting for him to reappear in glory as he had told them he would and yet two things brought a bit of confusion one some of the first Christian believers started to die and in the first letter to the Thessalonians Paul talks about why that does not mean that the resurrection isn't true So that was one thing that they encountered. They'd all started following Jesus. They were all waiting for Him to return. They were all expecting to go up to glory with Him. Oh, but now we have to have funeral services for Christians. That was a new thing. And Paul had to help them understand that. But the other thing that caused them a bit of confusion as time went on was that with every passing year, Jesus hasn't come back yet. Now, when Jesus promised to the disciples and the early believers that he would return and take them to be with him, they were living with that expectancy that that could happen at any time. But as year became decade, became 20 years, and he still hadn't come back, That was difficult for them, and they were thinking, how long do we have to wait? When will Jesus return? It's very hard for us, isn't it, to get into what it must have been like for them because we know that the Christian church has waited 2,000 years, but they'd only waited 20. And there are two things that are likely to take the eyes of Christian people off the return of the Lord Jesus. And this was what was happening. This is what the second letter to the Thessalonians is about. Paul was wanting them to keep going, keep waiting, persevere in your faith. Christ will come back. Do not doubt it. Two things are likely to divert our minds and our hopes and our eyes and our faith as Christians from Christ's return. One, somebody will come along and say, oh, you don't need to worry about that. It's already happened. He came back. That's what was happening. In the Thessalonian church. It sounds slightly incredible to us, doesn't it? But for them, it was, remember, only 15, 20 years? And if wise men come along and say, no, no, he's already come back by his Spirit, that's what he meant. He's here. We're, we're in the fullness of the kingdom now. That enables Christian people to say, oh, well, that's fine then. I can do what I like can live as I please. I don't need to live following Jesus in such a way that my life might be endangered by persecution. If He's already come back, well, here, this world is is as good as it's going to get. So, no need for perseverance. Now, I doubt that there's anyone sitting here who is in danger of thinking that Jesus has already come back. So, that may not feel like a very imminent risk for our faith, but the other thing that happens to Christian believers is that we begin to think He will never come back. Or people teach us that He didn't mean coming back literally. All this talk about Christ appearing in the skies with the angels and in great glory and with blazing fire. That was just a picture. You don't need to think of it like that. You can think of Jesus' return as just a a kind of a, a hopeful story to keep you going. Or, more commonly... Christ's return becomes in our minds and thinking just so unlikely or so irrelevant to what I'm coping with today that we just take our minds off. That's 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians is written to people whose minds were in danger of being taken off the the return of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming what's more likely in your mind for 2024 to arrive or for the Lord Jesus to return which is more likely We live and think and speak as if the arrival of 2024 is much more likely. But we don't know. We don't know the answer to that question. Which is more likely? I don't know. But the Lord knows. And He could return before 2024 arrives. Come, Lord Jesus, I say. But to live as if He is going to return as he said at any moment is to live in accordance with the teaching of second thessalonians and there is a golden thread of christian life that runs through that kind of living to live as if christ may return knowing that he will return at any moment, to live like that fuels the golden thread of perseverance in Christian people and in Christian churches and amongst the people of God all over the world. Perseverance, keeping going in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, your hand in His, week after week, month after month, year after year, that is a characteristic that God rates and loves and cherishes and stitches into the garment of His family like a golden thread. Did you notice, as we turn to the text, just briefly to highlight three things? Verse 4, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. We tend to think of perseverance along the lines of, you know, making it to five consecutive prayer meetings and 23 consecutive sunday services and having um, christian brothers and sisters in our prayers for four days out of seven and you know that's our kind of vocabulary of perseverance but perseverance is much deeper than that perseverance enables someone to trust the lord jesus come what may. And these early believers were trusting in the Lord Jesus, and Paul was so thrilled about it when early believers were beginning to be put to death because they named the name of Christ. The persecution against the church, well, it had been going on already. Stephen was the first martyr, wasn't he, way back in the book of Acts. But it was spreading. It was gaining ground. It felt as if the world, the Roman Empire in which the church was being born, was going to snuff out the candle of the new Christian faith. And increasingly, it would try to do that, to (laughs) obliterate this christian thing this gospel message this resurrection hope-filled love amongst people it would try to obliterate that from the history books and from the society in which the christians were living perseverance is more precious than we know Paul boasts of it Paul explains here that their faith is growing and their love for each other is, in, is increasing and that is going on hand in hand with the trials and persecutions surrounding them and afflicting them imagine how we would feel as a Fellowship at Edinburgh North Church or imagine how you would feel in your home fellowship those who are visiting us today if between now and next Sunday one of our number was actually locked up in prison because they professed faith in Christ that would change the fabric of our gathering next Sunday very profoundly can you imagine the WhatsApp group did you hear that so-and-so has been arrested did you hear that he's now not being released on bail and then next Sunday it, it, it It would bring to a very sharp edge what our focus is, what we're living for, where our hope is coming from. And to meet next Sunday in those circumstances and to praise God and to thank Him and to know that what we sung together, earlier on, is still true that there's no good thing you will withhold for those who follow you. Would we still believe that next Sunday if one of our number had been locked up and imprisoned for following Jesus? There's no good thing you will withhold for those who follow you. My, it it sharpens the focus, doesn't it? And perseverance, trusting Christ, come what may, is something that Paul values in this letter and in the Thessalonian church most profoundly. If 2024 does arrive... Let's pray that Sunday by Sunday, as a group of believers, we're not knocked off course by anything, but that trusting Christ and His words and His promises, whatever happens, could be our motto. perseverance is more precious than we often remember perseverance secondly as we've been saying in the context of Thessalonians and for us is focused on the future we keep going through thick and thin because we know what the future holds Paul says doesn't he in verses 5 to 10 that all of this all all of this growth In the Thessalonian believers, their perseverance, their growth in love, and their growth in faith, their coming together and being built as a church, this is evidence that God's judgment is right. Even the trials that they are enduring is evidence that God's judgment is right. Why do innocent people suffer and God doesn't step in and do something about it straight away? The latest headline I read yesterday was a seven year old boy who was killed in a hit and run accident. Boom, life snuffed out. You may have read about it the king signed a warrant to open up a graveyard beside his primary school so that his family could lay his remains to rest near his school. It seems like there's no justice for the person who killed that child and went off. Here's the thing Paul says, this is evidence that God's judgment is right and that includes the timing of his judgment oh justice will come justice will come for all but when God says it will come there are there are indications of God's justice in this world especially in societies that are still benefiting from the Christianized culture like our own where the justice system is one that we by and large trust to dish out justice on God's behalf to enable the nation to live and prosper under the rule of law I mean that too is being eroded and challenged in different ways as it always is in a fallen world but ultimately justice will come and the fact that we don't see it coming in its fullness now is evidence that God's judgment is right not ours but his You see how despairing people get when a vile and, you know, the the most wicked kind of perpetrator of evil dies before their sentence, or takes their own life, or somehow is seen to be escaping justice in this world. And Christians look on and say, there's a much higher court. And there is real, total, universal justice to come. For all. And because we are focused on that and know that Christ will come as savior for his people and judge of the earth, judge of all, we know that God's judgment is right whatever happens. So, as our society continues year by year to kick against Christian teaching, to try almost, it would seem, to eradicate the influence of the gospel, to keep followers of Jesus out of the public square if they possibly can. That's how it often feels and seems increasingly, doesn't it? But we we don't need to worry about that. We can keep following Jesus through that. We can say what we believe regardless of what anybody else says or thinks or does in response because our message is one of love, our Savior is the only Savior, and He will return. And so perseverance, which is focused on the future, is living and real i hope not but we could be kicked out of this building tomorrow we tried to rent several and weren't allowed to because of the kind of church that we are that's the reality of where we are but it's it's actually still pretty mild compared to where the believers in Thessalonica were perseverance which is so precious is focused on the future and thirdly and finally it is fueled by prayer it is fueled by prayer look at these lovely verses as the chapter closes verses 11 to the end with this in mind that is with God's coming judgment, the destruction of all wickedness, the eternal separation of the lost from a heavenly Father who reaches down to this world in love. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by faith. We pray this, that Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. What a wonderful thing that Paul is praying that God may count the Thessalonians worthy of his calling them and that their acts and deeds of Christian living will be fulfilled by him. When you next seek to serve another Christian person at home, perhaps today, when you next think, I could do this for them just because I love them in Christ. When you next think, I could phone them because I've been praying for them and I'm keen to hear how they are. Those ongoing, simple deeds and acts prompted by your faith are things which God Himself is using to build His kingdom, and He brings each of those seemingly simple little deeds of Christ-like service to fulfillment in response to people's prayers. There's somebody else in furthest-flung... Moldova prays for Edinburgh North Church, and God uses that prayer to bring a Christian word or act of yours to fulfillment this week. Everything we do and say as we persevere, focused on the future, God is using, in answer to people's prayers, to build It's all being used to build and to bring glory to Christ. So I would encourage you to pray this coming year widely, widely and openly for all the Christians across the world In whatever setting as often as you can for the nations for the persecuted for the young in faith for the dying for the preachers for the teachers for the churches that need new leaders pray widely and fervently for christians everywhere those you know and those you don't because god uses those prayers As he uses people's prayers to build christ's glory which is seen in us we're restarting our sunday evenings and each sunday evening when i sit with the diggers ages i don't know what age are you 10 to 13 or something like that Uh, and we pray in our sunday evenings and we wrote wrote down some prayer points but every week until I could virtually stand it no longer every prayer point began to be I've got a test this week That's, um, I can't stand praying for school tests anymore so uh, I said the next time right we're going to pray for other Christians not ourselves and we started praying and it's been so much more interesting here the diggers prayer for pray for other Christians everywhere else them praying for their maths test this week. Well, really, they don't need to pray about their maths test, they just need to revise their maths, don't they? <laughs> or not, as they choose. So, to grow in Christ knowing that our prayers are bringing to fulfillment the deeds and words of other Christians everywhere, that's a, that's a glorious thing. That helps that helps me to pray outwardly rather than inwardly. Focus on the future. Pray outwardly. God is at work. Christ will return. And if He doesn't, we'll see you next Sunday. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the perspective-giving truths of your Word. Thank you so much for enabling us to stand on what is real and promised and true in a world which is fueled so deeply by what is fallen and passing and fleeting or irrelevant. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this day, this week, this year, until we die or you return, to have our gaze set above and always to remember that we are pilgrims here. In Jesus' name, amen.